Welcome to the Minor League Sports Town Podcast with your host, Tony. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Minor League Sports Town Podcast. I'm your host, Tony, and appreciate you all coming back, hopefully, or checking out for the first time. Uh, appreciate you uh, listening in. Uh, so this this week, I was hoping to have uh, my friend Patrick join me on the podcast and, and record it together. Uh, we're trying to get our schedules to work out, but it didn't quite work out this week. So hopefully, uh, either next week or in the coming weeks, I will be able to uh, drop a episode where both Patrick and I are on the podcast together, because I think it would be great to listen to somebody other than just my voice, um, <laughs> you know, and get, a, get somebody else's insight uh, and have that nice little dialogue and banter that I'm sure that we will have when that episode drops. Uh, but even though we don't have Patrick on here, I am excited for uh, today's uh, podcast, and that is because uh, it is a great time for DC Sports, since they are now in full swing, uh, even though we, you know, we spent last episode recapping the Nationals' 2021 uh, season and they're no longer playing baseball, uh, we do have the Washington Capitals that just started their season. Um, the Washington Wizards literally just had their season debut on Wednesday, uh, and of course, the Washington Football Team is, um, you know about a quarter of the way through or a little bit more than that of their season. Uh, so it's exciting to have more sports avail- available to watch and follow uh, in the D.C. area. So going to spend some time uh, talking about those uh, the, the, the seasons of the Capitals, the Wizards, and the Washington football team in this podcast. But before we get started on that, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Nationals, uh, just a little bit of Nationals news that came through. Uh, Kevin Long, who was the Washington Nationals hitting coach, he left for the same position for with the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Nats were looking for a new hitting coach and a name that had been uh, brought up a couple times and then was finally made official is uh, Darnell Coles has been hired by the Washington Nationals to be their new hitting coach. Uh both Davey Martinez and Darnell Coles go back. Uh, they were teammates, I believe, when they played for Cincinnati together. Uh, but they also lived in the same neighborhood and have kept a close relationship for a number of years. Uh, so uh, there is already a personal relationship there, which, uh, you know, you could either take as a good thing or a bad thing. There is familiarity, which is good. They're already friends. But it also makes you wonder, is this person the most qualified for this position or do they get it because they, they know the manager kind of thing? Um, and that, that was a fear of mine going into it. I wasn't really sure when the rumblings were first starting uh, how good of a fit it would be. But I can say that after listening to Davey's remarks on Darnell, uh, digging in through Darnell's um, his career thus far, uh, and, and also just uh, hearing him talk about the team, I actually am excited for, for this hire. Um, one thing that uh, Darnell Coles kind of talked about was was trying to work on the players' swing where they were making a lot of weak contact um, last year. They weren't striking out a lot. They actually struck out like the least amount of time in the majors. Uh, however, the contact that they were making when they weren't striking out wasn't always the best contact. Uh, it was weak contact, 
especially with runners at a scoring position, they weren't driving them home because they weren't getting good wood on the ball. Uh, so Darnell Coles has kind of talked about working with the hitters and, and making sure that they are really swinging at the pitches that they can, they can do something with, uh, and making a solid contact. Um, and that's exactly what this team needs. So I'm excited to hear that from him. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, there was a quote in Davies' press release when talking about the hiring of Darnell Coles uh, that he said, and I have the quote here, uh, that Darnell Coles has a thorough understanding of the analytics that we would like to incorporate. So anytime you're talking about incorporating analytics, sign me up. I want my team to incorporate all of the analytics. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't want to just have the old school way of thinking uh, where you need X, Y, or Z. I want, I want us to actually think outside the box, dive into the metrics of these players, find the players uh, that can, can help us in the long run. So, um, yeah, whatever analytics they're talking about wanting to uh, install or institute within this organization, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, in looking back at... Um, Darnell's Cole, uh, Darnell Cole's career as a hitting coach, uh, you know, his last stop was the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he was fired during the 2021 season from Arizona as their hitting coach. Um, but if you look back in 2019, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks' offense was great. Uh, they hit a lot of home runs, making solid contact. Uh, the offense was really humming, and then the last two years, uh, you know, it's definitely fallen away but you know whether that's because the hitting coach wasn't doing his job or was it more the fact that um the roster construction wasn't great there was guys in and out of the lineup uh you know they're just is are hard to kind of build consistency if you're not working with the same players in and out so uh and then before that he was a the hitting coach with the milwaukee brewers and uh you know worked with christian yelich during his mvp season uh so there's a lot to be hopeful for uh, you know, I'm not saying that he's the best in the league and, you know, that our offense will will completely thrive under him. But one thing I can say is that Kevin Long, and no disrespect to him, he is a good hitting coach, but he definitely had a spe- uh, he definitely specialized in left-handed power hitters. Uh, case in point, we had a couple of them with the Nationals at the beginning of the season. You had Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell. Even though Josh Bell is a switch hitter, uh, you, he still uh, is that kind of body type and swing of that left-handed power hitter that uh, Kevin Long definitely thrives with helping make adjustments and, um, and really make good launch angle and good, uh, good uh, attack and, and contact with the ball. So you can see that both you know, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell had down 2020 seasons. Under um, Kevin Long's tutelage in 2021, uh, they both thrived under that. So he's really good for for those type of players and unlocking their swings and, and helping them be uh, the best that they can be uh, hitting-wise. But what he may have lacked was helping younger guys that don't fit that mold kind of develop their swing more. I'm thinking guys like Carter Keeboom and Victor Robles, who really struggled at the plate this season. Uh, you know, could another voice... And another coach really help unlock some things in their swing and and help uh, these young guys, um, you know, develop good habits and have a good approach at the plate. And that's what we need right now. 
you know, the Nationals are going to be in a rebuild, uh, so they need somebody that can help these young players that we're having coming up uh, through the system and into the majors for them to be able to make adjustments and, and continue to grow um, and and be, uh, develop those good habits and, 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 you know, really just kind of live up to their potential. Um, so hopefully Darnell Coles is, is the right man to do that. Uh, so that was the kind of big news for the Nationals. Uh, otherwise, they are playing in the Arizona Fall League. Um, you have players down there like pitchers Cole Henry, uh, Jackson Rutledge, Evan Lee, Todd Peterson. Um, you know, both Cole Henry and Evan Lee had good minor league seasons, and they're continuing that in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Jackson Rutledge had a very uneven uh, and un- inconsistent um, minor league uh season, you know, across multiple levels down in, uh, you know, FCL, low A, high A, um, you know, definitely was inconsistent, showed some good flashes, but then also had some really bad games. He's more or less kind of maintained that in the Arizona Fall League. Only one start, but four innings, four runs given up. So hopefully uh, as a highly regarded prospect, uh, somebody that they're hoping is, um, you know, in the future, in the future going to be part of the big league, big league rotation. Hopefully he can find some consistency, uh, pitch well, get some of that uh, that confidence back that I'm sure has been waning uh, with his recent performance. But so need to see more from him. Um, Todd Peterson has only thrown one inning, uh, so not a lot to see from him. It was a good inning, but only one inning thus far. Uh, and then you have uh, hitters down there like um, Israel Pineda and Drew Milas, uh, our two catchers, as well as Jackson Clough. Uh, Israel Pineda is doing well hitting over 500 right now, albeit in kind of limited playing time, uh, but driving in runs, um, hitting well, which is good, a good sign. Um, Jackson Clough hadn't done a whole lot until he was like two for three yesterday's game and hit his first home run of the AFL season. So, uh, you know, hopefully he continues to, to grow, get confidence and continue to perform down there. And Drew Milas hasn't done a whole lot. I think he's batting like a hundred, but limited playing time. So. Um, you know, see how these guys kind of do while they're down there and provide updates as, as we get them. So that's pretty much it for the Washington Nationals segment of uh, this this podcast on here. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to update as we get news uh, from the organization, especially as free agency comes up and see what kind of moves uh, the Nationals make during the winter. Uh, so let's talk about the Washington Capitals. And man, I am excited to talk about the Washington Capitals because they look fantastic. Only four games into the season, but they're sitting at 3-0-1. That's three wins, zero regulation losses, and one loss in overtime. Of course, the one loss in overtime would have to happen um, last Saturday against Tampa Bay in a game in which I attended <laughs> at Capital One Arena. But so so it goes. Um, but still, they, even in that game, they looked pretty good. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, three zero and one. They lost in overtime to the Lightning, Stanley Cup uh, defending champions. But they really kind of manhandled and dominated uh, the Stanley Cup favor this year in the Colorado Avalanche uh, when they came to Capital One Arena. Um, Caps played them really well. Uh, Ovi through four games has four goals. Uh, he didn't have any goals in the last game that they played against the New Jersey Devils just last night. Uh, but he had th- he had four goals in three games prior to that. But still, on a goal per game average, don't expect him to end with 82 goals. But 
He's seeing it well, coming out with a vengeance. And, of course, every goal that he scores gets him closer and closer to passing uh, Wayne Gretzky for the all-time leader in goals. Uh, Ovi has already ca- uh, captured the fifth spot all-time on his own, and he's close to uh, closing, in, closing in on the number four spot. So uh, he just continues to move up the rankings, and he's always a pleasure to watch for sure. Uh, so he's playing really well. Another player that is playing absolutely fantastic and is great to see is the redemption story of Evgeny Kuznetsov. Uh, Here is a player that just really struggled last year, seemed to have immaturity issues, didn't have his heart into the game. Um, Even during the uh, offseason, NHL insiders uh, had kind of talked about Kuznetsov possibly being a uh, traded in the offseason, being a trade ship, uh, because it just didn't seem like he was working out with the system, with the team, just didn't seem to have the heart. But they didn't trade him, and early returns are, it was a great decision. Uh, first of all, it just seems like, it seems like he's having fun, right? Like Kuznetsov, he, he, had a, <laughs> he, he scored a goal, um, I think it was against the Avalanche. They anyway, he was the player of the game. They interviewed him afterwards, and they're they're doing an interview, and he's talking about how big it is to have fans, um, you know, in the stands again. How his wife and his uh, his son uh, can come see him play, and uh, and everything, and 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 he said it was so it was so huge, uh, you know. And then he of course talks about like, oh yeah, this game was streaming on ESPN uh, Plus, right? And then he says, I was told to to say that, and he starts cracking up like a child, belly laughing. Uh, it was a joy to see, though, because that's a Kuznetsov that, remember seeing the goofball and the fun-loving guy, um, you know, in years past, but then, you know, in 2020 and even in, uh, yeah, and, and especially in 2020 during the shortened season without fans and everything, he just didn't seem like he was having fun, uh, wasn't that kind of fun-loving guy. Uh, and now he just it seems like he's really enjoying it. Even Tom Wilson just said like, yeah, when he's having fun, it's just a joy for him to be around. It's infectious. Uh, you know, it, it helps the whole team morale and everything when, when he's actually enjoying it. So, uh, it seems like Koozie is, is playing happy, which is turning into playing well. Uh, and he's, he's making the passes like the playmaker of old that we've seen. And he's also shooting the puck, which is a great sign. Uh, sometimes he still overpasses a little too much. I've seen it in a couple games where he just should take the shot, but he is taking more shots, which has led to three goals in four games. Uh, so it's really good to see him back. Uh, he has me very excited. If we have a, a good koozie on the team, uh, this team is is a lot better for that. Uh, so beyond them, uh, you know, they have uh, some young guys like uh, Favari, who's getting a shot uh, to play. Um, you know, with John Carlson actually on the first blue line. Uh, and then you have uh, with Nicholas, Nicholas Backstrom out recovering from a soldier, uh, a shoulder injury, excuse me. Uh, there's a couple young guys that are getting a shot to play. You have uh, probably the two top like prospects in the national or sorry, in the capital system talking prospects. I always want to think nationals, but in the capital system, kind of their two young guns that, uh, you know, have maybe the best chance to really be impactful players on the Capitals team in the future are um, Connor McMichael and Hendricks Lapierre. And both of them have uh, gotten a shot to kind of take the third line center role with Lars Eller moving up to the second line center role. Uh, and they've played well. Lapierre already got his first um, 
NHL goal. Very happy for him. And then uh, you had Connor McMichael, who had a breakaway yesterday against the New Jersey Devils, and I thought he was going to score his first one, but unfortunately, I think he tried to go five-hole, hit it a little high, got into the belly of the goalie, and he was able to uh, collapse on the puck and, and keep it. So uh, his goal, his first goal will be coming through, but you got those young guys that are playing well, and it just seems like everybody's buying into uh, Peter Laviolette's system. Uh, the defensemen, they're, they're making really good passes. They're passing the puck efficiently, um, the defense is moving into the offensive zone and, and cycling down uh, just like Peter Laviolette likes. And it seems like everybody's really buying into that. And they're just playing a fast game, but not fast out of control. It's fast because they're making good passes. They're playing smart uh, and they're controlling the puck. And you just really like to see it. And with a team that you just didn't really know how they were going to look this year. Of course, the during the offseason, the main thing was re-sign Ovechkin, who is a free agent. Of course they did that. They better have, <laughs> but they did do that. Um, and then you kind of, you know, you traded away Brendan Dillon for some cap relief and you have other kind of younger guys that are coming in um, to, you know, see what they can do. And, and so far the returns are very, very, very good. Uh, so they're a joy to watch right now. I'm excited for this season. Like I said, it's only four games, so I'm not proclaiming them Stanley Cup champions yet or anything. Uh, but they're really exciting to watch right now, and uh, I have a lot of confidence for this season. Uh, it's going to be a good one for them. So very, very happy. Uh, so that's kind of our little talk on the Washington Capitals. We'll have more uh, as they continue to play games, um, you know, continue to kind of recap some of those. But uh, that is a recap of the early, early season for the Washington Capitals. Uh, another team, speaking of good starts to the season, it's only been one game. But the Washington Wizards uh, started their season 1-0 and uh, with a victory um, on the road against the Toronto Raptors um, with Drake in attendance, for those that care. Uh, and the biggest thing about this victory, though, and if you're, not, if you're a Wizards fan and watch this team for a while, you may want to have a seat uh, when I mention this, but they held the Raptors to 83 points. 83 points. The Washington Wizards held a team to not not even 83 points. They held a team to under 100 points. That is a borderline miracle any way you look at it because the Wizards defense especially over the last few years has been porous. It has been almost a disaster. <laughs> they they just never played defense under Scotty Brooks, uh, but this team looked really good. Now, albeit Yes, they were playing against a banged-up Toronto Raptors team. This wasn't the Lakers. This wasn't the Bucks. This wasn't the Nets. You know, it wasn't the Warriors. It wasn't a powerhouse, right? But uh, they still looked like um, you could definitely see the mark of Wes Unseld uh, Jr. on this team, the new head coach, Wes Unseld Jr., uh, who was coming in and had a priori uh, priority uh, to make defense a very important aspect for this team. Uh, so that was kind of his charge coming into here was like, hey, you know, come in here and work on the defense. You know, Wizards could score, but they, they definitely struggled on the defensive side. And early returns are uh, that they're, they're buying into that system and they're, they've been working hard. You can see that they, they had been working hard uh, on their defense during the offseason. Uh, so, you know, part of that, of course, has to, a lot of praise has to be given to Wes Unsell Jr. for the job that he's doing, but also the early returns on the players that they added uh, to this team during the offseason. 
Of course, uh, out goes Russell Westbrook, who requested a trade to his hometown Los Angeles Lakers. The Wizards um, front office, Tommy Shepard, uh, agreed to that, and they ended up getting three players back um, in return. They got uh, Kyle Kuzma, they got Montrez Harrell, and they got KCP, uh, Caldwell Pope, uh, back uh, in return for that. And early returns are <laughs> that... Montrez Harrell is like my new favorite player <laughs> on the Wizards. Yeah, this guy uh, plays with intensity, with energy. He likes to trash talk on the court, um, and it, and he just uh, he's slamming home, uh, you know, slam dunks, uh, blocking shots, playing good defense. Just really good. You could see why. Just even just a couple years ago, uh, he was named the Sixth Man of the Year. Um, playing for, uh, I think it was the Clippers, as who was playing for when he won that. Uh, but you can definitely see why he earned that. Uh, he's going to be a fan favorite. Uh, and when you have him and Daniel Gafford as your one and two centers on there, you have extreme depth of that position. And either you don't, it feels like you're not really missing anything, even though it's one game. You feel like you're not, there's not a big drop off when Daniel Gafford, who just got his extension, um, when he comes out of the game and you have uh, Montrez uh, come in, Harrell, Montrez Harrell come in, there, there isn't like a drop-off in performance. And that's just an awesome thing. And uh, he scored, I think it was 23 points in their win um, on Wednesday. So he had 23 and 9 rebounds, so he just missed a double-double. Um, and so, yeah, great, great debut, Wizards debut for him. And even um, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he had a double double actually. I think he was fifteen. Ended with fifteen points, but uh, you know he he played really well, played good defense, uh, contributed on the offensive end, uh, made some good passes with uh, Bradley Beal, and, and also receiving the ball from him. So uh, early returns on him look really good. I'm excited to see him play more, and even with uh, KCP didn't score a whole lot. I think he might have had five points on the game, but he hit a huge three pointer. Uh, when um, Toronto was trying to make a comeback and got the game within um, within 10 points, um, KCP hit a uh, a three pointer, which basically put the game on ice. Uh, so that was uh, that was really big. So the, those those three players that we got in return for Russell Westbrook look really good. Dinwiddie looks good. Um, you know, there's and then the players that you already had here. Um, Beal, you know, looks good, even though I know he's dealing with an injury right now. Uh, Neto um, looks good. So, yeah, I, I just think that with an emphasis on defense and the players that they have added to this team, which even though you didn't add like another superstar on the level of um, of Russell Westbrook, uh, you at least have depth now. And it seems like that when you have to rotate players out, you're not having a severe drop off like a lot of the other Wizards teams uh, had, which is like if you didn't have, you know, Bradley, Bradley Beal and either John Wall or... Uh, Westbrook on the court you were you know the team was gonna get outscored uh, so it just seems like there's it's, those couple things combined um, make it seem like the Wizards are you know in position to maybe grab like a lower seed for the playoffs or something we'll have to see it's one game like I said but it was a very nice game to watch very exciting game and uh, hopefully their season just continues to um you know, continue to, to take off. And, and that's also one thing I didn't mention is they didn't even have Rui Hashimura in this game. Uh, he was still out. Uh, so, you know, when he comes back in, that just include like uh, further strengthens the depth that you have at that power, for, uh, power forward position. 
maybe Kyle Kuzma even goes from power forward to just small forward. Um, if that were to happen with uh, with Rui and the starting five, so you could have like Dinwiddie, Beal, Kuzma, Hachimura, and Gafford as your starting five, and you still have plenty of depth behind them. So, uh, so it's exciting. It's uh, definitely a different uh, makeup for this roster than we have seen in years past for the uh, Washington Wizards. So. So we will continue, like I said, uh, only one game so far, but we'll continue to uh, report back and talk about their season as it goes forward. But I'm excited for the Wizards. That's great. It's good when Wizards basketball is is good and fun to watch. Uh, So next on the agenda and kind of our final talking point here, I guess we have to, the Washington football team. So the Washington football team are currently sitting at 2-4, and And they have to play the Green Bay Packers this weekend and Aaron Rodgers. So I think you can probably chalk this up to a starting off the season at, uh, with a 2-5 and five record. I don't think that's out of the question. It would be quite a miracle and quite an upset if Washington football team could knock off Green Bay this weekend on the road. Um, but ha- why are they 2-4, and four, though, and potentially 2-5? and five? Uh, And the reason why they are is maddening to me. Uh, because going into this season... The whole, the whole story with the Washington football team is they're going to have a top five defense, and then you add a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, which can do a little bit more than you know the guys you had last year, whether it be Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins or whoever else we started at quarterback last year, uh, and you know he would he would do a little bit more right on the offensive side, score a few more points, but you wouldn't need to score a whole lot because you're going to have this lockdown defense. It was going to be great. <laughs> it was, you know, the, the, this team was built uh, to have a defense first and then a good enough offense to carry them to victory, right? Kind of in the in the vein of like how the San Francisco 49ers are built, right? Where they have a really top-notch defense and their offense, it doesn't have a lot of superstars on it, but it's good enough to get you enough points to win the game with your defense standing standing up and, and doing its job, right? Issue for Washington is that the defense has not done their job at all. Um, you, you have, is well-documented that you have four players on the defensive line that are first-round picks, and that was always going to be the strength of your defensive core was that D-line. You would have Chase Young, you'd have Montrez Sweat, you'd have Jonathan Allen, you'd have Deron Payne, and they would be able to, even without bringing additional uh, additional pass rush, right? Additional attackers on the off uh, on the defensive line. That you'd be able to take those four and that they would be able to win their individual battles and apply a lot of pressure on the quarterback, right? You could just do a standard four guys rushing the quarterback and they'd be able to dominate offensive lines and get to the quarterback and cause a lot of pressure. And when they're doing that, the quarterback doesn't have as much time to throw. So you can play a lot of man coverage and the DBs and the linebackers would be able to to cover their guys long enough uh, to, you know, make it so that the quarterback takes a sack or has to throw into contested coverage or whatever, right? And that was the whole game plan going forward. However, our defensive line is not getting any pressure on the quarterback. 
the uh, the DBs, the defensive backs, and the linebackers are having to cover for way too long, and is and is happening where these wide receivers, very talented wide receivers and tight ends and running backs, are getting free and and getting chunk yardage, and the defense just can't stop anybody. Um, you know, look, I like Chase Young. I don't think it was necessarily a mistake to take him at number two overall a couple years ago. Um, however. I watch this guy play, and I see him just running full speed at the tackle and then getting pushed to the outside and running past the quarterback by a five yards behind him, trying to get in behind. I see it again and again and again, and not only is he not getting to the quarterback, but then he's breaking containment where there's nobody on that side of the field, and if you have a even semi-athletic quarterback, he can then just run to that side and pick up yardage with his legs because there was no defensive lineman there to say, hey, I'm keeping you in your box, right? Chase Young is just flying by him and is down 20, 10, 20 yards down the field, um, you know, trying to get to this quarterback because he just he has one move. Tackles are are responding to that, pushing him to the outside, keeping him to the outside, and he's just not getting to the, the quarterback. I need to see adjustments. I need to see more from him. I need to see more from Sweat. I need to see more from Allen. I need to see more from Payne. So the defense as a whole needs to be better. But what does the Washington football team do to address this issue? Well, of course, naturally, they release kicker Dustin Hopkins. Now, don't get me wrong. Dustin Hopkins has missed his fair share of kicks. But he's not really the reason that you're losing games right now. Your defense is atrocious, and your offense is not quite good enough to compensate for that. Uh, So, you know, but hey... The team decided to go ahead and cut Dustin, Dustin Hopkins, bring up some kid named Blewett uh, to be the new kicker. Let's see how he does. That's fine, but uh, I just don't I don't really see the sense in the move, um, just considering that they're getting blown out by teams like the Chiefs. doesn't matter how good Dustin Hopkins is or not. Um, you know, this, this, him being there is not going to change the outcome of that game. They just need to be better, uh, especially on defense, so... Another thing that the Washington football team decided to do uh, during this past weekend's game against the Chiefs was they decided that it, uh, it was a good time to retire Sean Taylor's number. And don't get me wrong, Sean Taylor's number deserves to be retired, and it should have honestly been done a long time ago. Uh, however, the timing of this move uh, just seemed... Like, a really poor choice. Uh, to me, it seemed like they were trying to create a distraction by doing this. Uh, of course, Washington football team has been in the press again, uh, under, again, another negative situation. Uh, you know, people are talking about the emails that were found um, from the investigation into the Washington football team. Uh, those emails, of course led to the firing of John Gruden from the Las uh, Vegas Raiders uh, because of things that he said uh, in those emails. He lost his job. There was, you know, some different things that were um, said about Bruce Allen as well through the emails. But a lot of these things haven't been uh, made public yet. It was more of a, you know, NFL's investigation into the Washington football team. They found things and people want them released. Uh, But there's again, you know, and unfortunately for Washington football fans, uh, this is nothing new that, you know, controversy kind of surrounding this team. But it, it, to me, it screamed of, oh, we have all this negative press on us right now. Let's go ahead and create a distraction. And hey, 
out of the blue, why not go ahead and just uh, and retire Sean Taylor's 21? Let's go ahead and just do that now. And they announced it like midweek for a Sunday game, not giving a lot of notice to fans and even more importantly, Sean Taylor's family, right? They, they were, there are reports that are saying like Sean Taylor's father didn't even know about the ceremony like till two days before. Uh, and it was just seemed like it was really rushed and really uh, plan, uh, poor planning. But and that's why it seemed to me like it was it was disingenuous, and they decided to do it to kind of be a distraction and create some kind of positive spin or light on the franchise. Um, Sean Taylor deserves more than that. Uh, you know, there, it, I remember uh, when he passed, and it was a career, and more importantly, a life that was cut much too short. Uh, he was um, the heart and soul of this team, of this defense. I could have had a Hall of, uh, of Fame career. I, I completely believe that, uh, and unfortunately was was murdered in a, an attempted robbery at his place of residence. Um, so it, it, it's just, he deserves a lot more. He meant a lot more to this franchise than just a half-thought-out, oh, hey, we'll have a little ceremony. And, you know, they, they do the ceremony. They don't even have speeches from his family, from former players, from former coaches. It just seemed like it was all thrown together at the last minute in an attempt to create some positive spin on this team. Uh, and it was just honestly severely disappointing as a fan of the franchise. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's nothing to really be done about it now. I'm glad that his number is retired. However, it should have been a much more thought out and planned um, process to make it something really, truly unique and special and honoring, uh, honoring the memory of, of Sean Taylor. So this franchise just needs to do better. Uh, they need to do better on the field. They need to do better off the field uh, from the, you know, from the kicker position all the way up to management. Um, you know, this, this franchise needs to be better. And uh, I hope that they, they take the right steps and, and make sure that they are in the future. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, I, I'm glad that we were able to cover the uh, different teams that are now in play, the different seasons that have started. It is exciting time in D.C. sports. We get to watch the Washington Capitals and their hot start playing some really good hockey. I uh, get to see if the... Uh, Wizards can continue what we saw in game one uh, and continue to be um, a uh, lockdown defensively and and be a really uh, cohesive team with a lot of depth in there. Excited to see how the season shapes up for them. Uh, Washington football team, they they are what they are right now. Um, see how if they can at least be competitive against Green Bay uh, and you know hopefully uh, just do better as a franchise in general. Um, you know, and then we'll we'll see what the Washington Nationals are going to be doing uh, as far as their um, offseason plans and uh, what what players and what positions on their roster they they're going to be looking to uh, upgrade this uh, offseason. So anyway, really appreciate you all uh, taking the time to listen. I hope that you enjoyed it. Looking forward to uh, future podcasts. Like I said before, hopefully with my friend Patrick, we get on here and do a podcast together. Um, and until next time, hope you all have a great rest of your week and weekend.